Hello and welcome to the Feck It Fun, Fabulous and Free Eating Disorder Recovery Podcast. I'm Helly and I'm here to provide regular bursts of information and inspiration, some neuroscience applicable to eating disorder recovery, perhaps a few rants, but otherwise lots of positivity with a bit of a Feck It attitude, some fun and a sprinkling of fabulousness to help everyone find freedom in recovery. Hi and welcome to the Feck It Fun, Fabulous and Free Eating Disorder Recovery podcast. I'm Helly, I'm an eating disorder recovery coach. Today's episode is one for the loved ones who support those of you in eating disorder recovery. I've often thought in my own journey through eating disorder recovery that the one group in the eating disorder community who are probably the most underserved and under-supported are the relatives, the loved ones and the carers of adults with eating disorders. And I know that's, that's not to say that any other groups in the eating disorder community are well served in terms of support and treatment of course. I've definitely spoken enough and written enough blog posts about how lacking eating disorder treatment is the world over. But people with eating disorders do have a few more options now in terms of support and treatment. And the family of young people and teenagers with eating disorders also have a handful of support groups or services available to them, predominantly from charities or non-profit organisations such as FEAST, who I always recommend to anybody. But in my case, when it came to eating disorder recovery, My main support, despite being a 40-year-old woman, ultimately came from my parents. And when in the depths of trying to support me, I know that they felt completely lost and overwhelmed, always scared to say the wrong thing or know what to do. And they ultimately needed access to people who understood what they were going through or they needed information about the recovery process to at least refer to but there was so little available to them, especially because I was an adult. And I know from the people I work with in my coaching work I do, that this is the case for a lot of spouses and partners too. And even when I was very first ill with the eating disorder, I was married at that time, and there was absolutely no option of involvement for my partner or information or support for him in how to help support me with the eating disorder. And that's a situation that I believe and, you know, well, I can witness has changed very little even since then. So this episode is to provide just a few little tips for any listeners out there who don't have an eating disorder themselves, but who support someone with an eating disorder and so feel lost in what they should or shouldn't do. And these tips are particularly aimed at relatives, partners or carers of adults with eating disorders. But many of these tips can be transferred to youngsters as well. Before I start then, I just want to say, first of all, please understand that eating disorders are now recognised as biological and genetic brain-based illnesses triggered by a period of energy deficit. And that energy deficit can come from any cause. Eating disorders are now known not to stem from vanity, teenage peer pressure, or being deliberately difficult, and definitely not from poor parenting or other family factors. 
the illness is powerful and real, and the level of fear response that your loved one experiences when trying to make changes to their eating or to their other routines and disordered rituals or behaviours is a fear that is all-consuming and incredibly strong. So no matter how irrationally they appear to be behaving, to them, on the inside, it's real and it is terrifying. So now we have that out the way, here are my tips and these are in no particular order. First of all, I'd say please avoid allowing the eating disorder to become the elephant in the room. Try to talk about it or ask about it whenever you can. You might not get a positive response. You might get your head bitten off for asking. But somewhere deep down, it reminds your loved one that the eating disorder is not just being accepted as a part of them. And they'll appreciate the fact that you are showing you care and are there to support them when they feel that they are ready to accept that support. I know I can remember times when I was deeply entrenched in the eating disorder and I would go and visit my family for just an hour or two in the afternoon perhaps and the eating disorder would not be mentioned despite how significant a part of my life it was and how ill I was from it at that time. The eating disorder would not be mentioned at all and everything else would be spoken about, the weather, you know, how people's children are, all the nice little things that we like to talk about but the eating disorder wouldn't come up in conversation. And there were times when I would get back in the car to go home to my isolated bubble in absolute tears because nobody had asked about the eating disorder and I didn't feel I could bring it up myself. So always ask, please, even if they're not showing that they might be responsive to you asking. As I said, it shows that you care. It shows that you're recognising that the eating disorder is a part of them and that you're not accepting it as something that they have to tolerate for the rest of their life. The next tip, and this one I know is hard, especially if your loved one has had an eating disorder for years, and so their little behaviours and their restrictive eating has almost become normal, in inverted commas. But please try to avoid doing things that collude with the illness. And what I mean by this is avoid things like expecting that your loved one won't eat with you or won't eat certain things or avoid encouraging or even just not discouraging certain eating disordered behaviours such as exercise, dieting or talking about weight and shape. When your loved one is going for that daily habitual walk, which is a strong part of their illness, instead of simply saying have a good time and see you later, try to start challenging them or at least demonstrating that you recognise this walk is not innocent and is a symptom of their illness that needs to be addressed if they want to recover. Next, and this one is really important, is to trust your gut instinct on things. You know your loved one, possibly better than anyone else does, so no matter what anyone else says or believes about them, no matter what your loved one themselves say or do, Trust your own gut instincts when it comes to things that might best support them. I'm always a great believer that our guts know better than our minds sometimes. So listen to your gut because it's probably right in what it's trying to tell you. And tied in with that, please know that sometimes professionals don't know best and your loved one does. So listen to them. 
And this is where, again, trusting your gut instinct comes back into play. Please, please also hold on to hope for your loved one. No matter what they do or say, no matter how long they've been ill or how ill they've been or they are, they hate this illness as much as you do, but they are terrified. And they really need someone to keep that hope alive when they can't find the hope for themselves. It makes such a difference when somebody refuses to believe that this illness will be part of you for the rest of your life. It made such a difference to me that my parents never stopped believing in my ability to recover, even though I'd been ill for so long. So please hold on to that hope for them. And alongside that, just please keep loving them. It's as simple as that, really. If you love them, which I know you do because you're listening to this, then just hold on to that love and they will feel it and they will gain strength from it. And another tough one, but please try to be consistent when it comes to responding to questions over food or exercise or weight. If your loved one says to you, I've eaten too much, I've gained too much weight, I've gained too quickly, I've been too sedentary, the answer is always, always, no, you haven't. Stay consistent. And at the same time, always remember who your loved one is beyond the illness. Because that person is still there behind the fear, behind the behaviours, behind the restriction in the eating and the bursts of anger or emotion that they're displaying. The loved one that you know and you love is still in there, hiding behind this horrible mask of an illness. So just remember that they haven't gone anywhere and they want out of this illness too. And as we've already touched on the bursts of anger or emotion, just remember that in recovery and with the eating disorder, your loved one is going to be irrational, emotional, angry, and depressed at times. And in recovery, they will go through intense periods of distress. And you might want to ease it for them by telling them that they don't have to eat more or rest today, but that approach won't help in the long run. So when they are screaming, when they are crying and sobbing and telling you that they can't go on, when they are slamming the doors, please just, if they'll let you, hug them and love them through the distress, but just help them stay on track because backtracking and letting them go back to restriction to ease that turmoil in the short term isn't going to get you anywhere in the long term. And I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but it's almost guaranteed that your loved one will direct their anger and irritability at you during their recovery. So please remember when they do that this is their brain trying to make sense of big swings in irrational but real fear responses, which make them feel threatened by small things and they're dealing with emotions that are new and frightening to them. The anger is never really likely to be about you, but it might not feel like that in the moment that it's being directed at you. And as your loved one is going through all these emotional outbursts, this turmoil in their distress, these really difficult times with their recovery, they're likely going to need time to recover. 
And many people need to give up other pressures in terms of studies, work or family commitments for a few months or even a year. And that time out can make all the difference to whether a person recovers or not. Because the alternative otherwise is staying sick and losing years of quality life. Therefore, if you can support them to feel safe and take any pressure off them around keeping up their work or studies for a time so they can focus on recovery, it could be a huge relief and a huge benefit to them. The next point alongside this is to just remember that recovery does take time. So please don't fall into the trap of noticing that your loved one has gained a bit of weight, that they're eating a bit more and they seem to be coping better with life and so believe them to be fully recovered. It is a long road, and sometimes the most support a person in eating disorder recovery needs comes later along that road, when people think that they're okay now because they seem to be eating, they seem to be coping. So even if they are a bit further down the road, just keep checking in with them on just how okay they really are and what they're really still struggling with. And one thing that is true beyond words is that eating disorders thrive in isolation. Your loved one will very probably attempt to isolate themselves, particularly when in the depths of the illness. So it's not easy with an adult to entirely stop them from doing this, but please stay as connected as you can with them in whatever way they will allow you to keep connected with them. Just keep messaging them, keep inviting them round, keep that regular contact with them so that they know that you're still there, that you still care, that you still love them. And then another big one is whenever you can, avoid obvious dieting behaviours. Avoid obvious exercising or talking of these things or of weight loss in yourself or others around your loved one. If you do want to diet and lose weight, and I really don't recommend it, But if you really do want to do that or you want to hit the gym yourself, wherever possible, aim to be discreet about it. Consider doing these things as similar to lighting up a cigarette right in front of your partner who's really trying to quit. It's not going to help them. It's really not. Now, I'm aware that this is a long list of tips that are do's or don't do's for those of you supporting adults in eating disorder recovery. But the thing I should have said at the start, or that should intercept each and every one of these other tips, is please remember that nothing your loved one does or doesn't do is your fault. Ultimately, your loved one is responsible for their choices as an adult, and you are not the professional there to treat them. You can listen to them, you can guide, reassure and encourage, but you cannot force them into anything And eating disorder recovery is something that will come when the person is ready to take that responsibility themselves. Support from you will help. It will help a lot. But support alone is not going to get them well. So never, please, never beat yourself up if they don't get better yet. And finally, the most important thing in the world ever is look after yourself too because it's such a long road when it comes to eating disorders and recovery. And you will need self-care as well as time to get through this and process your own emotions as much as they do. So whatever it is that helps you to cope mentally and emotionally, as well as physically, 
throughout all of this recovery process that your loved one's going through, then please, whatever it is, do it for yourself as well. I'm Heli. I'm an eating disorder recovery coach. I hope that's helped some of you out there. And please know that nobody should be alone in this. We're here as an eating disorder community to support each other. So let's keep on doing that and keep on fighting for better services for all the adults in recovery out there. Thank you for listening and I'll speak to you again very soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Feck It Fun Fabulous and Free Eating Disorder Recovery Podcast. Don't forget, eating disorder recovery doesn't have to be boring and doesn't have to be serious. Now go and grab yourself some food and have a fabulous rest of the day.